Hello, esteemed guests, and welcome to the inaugural episode of What's the Hubbub, where we bring what we've been learning and experiencing in our lives to the floor and hash it out over a coffee or beer, depending on when we end up recording. For those who don't know, I'm Tim, and the other voice you'll hear is Logan. Since this is the first episode, it's a lot more free-flowing conversation, but going forward we'll have a lot of cool ideas for specified segments and more guided conversation. We hope you enjoy, and we hope you stick around for this crazy project we're doing together. And now, on with the show. Alright, so we were talking about Yik Yak. Yik Yak. That was a thing. So that was... That, so that was... What year was that? That was twenty. Is that, that twenty fifteen? Yeah, the year it after was, my freshman. It was year. the second year we were at Eastern. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, it it, it was basically like it, it was completely anonymous. It was like it just it, it was anonymous Twitter. That, anonymous that's Twitter that wasn't Twitter. Yeah, that's right. that's correct. I'm, I'm trying to think of like meets something like meets Reddit because like it got upvotes. It's yeah. It, see, like, it was definitely trying thing. to be the next social media trend. That most definitely was not the next social social media trend. Well, it's like it, it was for like a hot minute though, because like for a while, like, at least for like a semester, I feel like, especially at <sighs> Eastern where we went, like uh, that was just like that. That was all the yeah. the hot goss, as the youth say. <sighs> yeah, and it was it was definitely used specifically by like college students too so it was like trying to be facebook also yeah right and it was it was all of those things wrapped into one and then also kind of tinder because people just would like shit talk people about like their hookups and i don't know yes i never downloaded the app i just saw it vicariously through all of my group of friends so that was fun for me I had it, but never posted. Yeah, it, it was like it was. It was the type of thing where I would like I'd, I'd be like falling asleep and be like, "What? What the hell's going on?" And then I just scroll through. And I, I would be. <laughs> it, it's kind of like how I am now with Twitter, where it's like it's rare that I post, it's rare that I retweet, but I'll find like the hot shit and screenshot it and be like <laughs> sending that to all of my like all of my groups and be like, "Yo." So, on the note of, like, Facebook, though, like, I, I was thinking about this. I think, well, going back to Twitter, like, I saw somebody talking about, like, it was a trend of, like, post four images to show, like, when you were in high school. Oof. And one of them was just, like, a screenshot of MySpace. And that got me thinking, because, like, you're you're a, a, a ripe young age of about 74, I think. 74? Yeah, I mean, 28, <laughs> 74. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's, my back it's hurt yesterday number. after a long ass oh, work meeting. I stood up and I was like, "What is this, dude?" I think you've made it. I think oh. that's the sign. Yeah, that's the sign awful. that you're approaching so, your thirties. Yes, I am exactly seventy-four years old. I'm twenty-eight. Yeah, years twenty-eight young. going on seventy-four. That's that's correct. Perfect. Yeah. Um. So so for you, like, when did Facebook hit? Was that in high school or college for you? It was high school. Um. Mm-hmm. And I knew of all the other social media stuff before, but I never had mm. any. So it was my sophomore year when I got a Facebook. Um, okay. And it was because my friends were on Facebook. And I remember vividly, like, I had, like, I never really was, like, on, you know, AOL. I wasn't on MySpace. I wasn't doing any of those, like, chats or social media type of things. Um, but yeah. yeah, my friend was like, oh, you should get a Facebook. And I was like, oh, well, like I need an email for that. So like it turned into like, oh, five in the morning over at a friend's house, creating a Gmail and a Facebook. And then my friends being like, oh, I'm going to rush to the the computer next to be the first one to post on your wall and just post first. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this was like, what, one, 20, was it, no, it was, it was 2009. Yeah. Yeah, 2009. This will throw a wrench in your brain works. In 2009, I was going into eighth grade. Yeah. That's fun. (laughs) That's fun. This is fun. So I I, I just hit the age where, like, you could even make a damn account, like, as it was coming into that height. Yeah. Um, I, I remember fucking. Did you ever see, like, Flare? 
for your walls? Remember those like tiny buttons? Do you remember this? Is it is this like a fever dream of mine? No, uh, I remember that it was totally different from what it is now, and yeah. like the fact that. I had to actually, like, log into my Facebook on my computer for the first time in forever yes. to pull up our chat here was a trip and a half because my I haven't been on Facebook, like, since yeah. 2018, I think. Like, I, I have Facebook, I have Messenger, like, I talk to people that way, but I just don't use Facebook. So, like, I opened it up and I was like, whoa this looks like instagram because well you know they're they're, they're the same now yeah. because who who needs a monopoly yeah exactly yep but uh, yeah i remember like in the early day it was it was almost like modular when you looked at your wall like you would click yes. and drag yes. like widgets around i remember like my mom in particular was like of course my mom is the one who got me on facebook <laughs> Because that's our dynamic. That's like amazing. She, she was like, you need to get a Facebook and you need to download Flare, which were just these stupid fucking images of buttons that were like, oh, I'm a fan of Harry Potter. Here's like some Harry Potter Flare. Yeah. It was basically like buttons that you would put <laughs> on your damn Facebook wall. It's so cringe. Ugh. But I remember that specifically. Like it, you would download widgets and it was, it was almost like myspace E. Gotcha. Like your wall was where people went yeah. to. No, that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. It was, this is your thing, and your friends on the thing will come there for, like, to look at you or, like, to talk to you type of thing. It was, like, right. it was literally communication through mm. the social media site, which now everything is so broken down into messaging different things and different places like specific places for that rather than it just being there because oh it's kind of annoying for it to be there if you're trying to have a conversation and everyone is present so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i remember it was like i think it was like 2015 2016 like the, obviously it's changed in those four years but like a analogy that i heard at that time was it was it likened um I need to figure out where this was and cite it. I want to have I want to have show notes for this. Like show I would absolutely notes. love that. So, so heckin' show notes, man. Um, so I'll see if I can find this and link it. Um, but it was basically it likened Facebook to like the white picket fence, like carefully curated garden, mm -hmm. where it's like I, I I choose exactly what I see, which I think has changed now. But at least like at that time, in like the 2015, 2016, it was like. I'm choosing who I interact with a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and it like in, and it like in Twitter a little bit more to the city where it's like the conversation Breaking, comes before yeah. the individual people yeah. saying it. Yeah. Like the focus is more on like the here and now the, the ecosystem. Yeah. The, the here and now is like and like the ecosystem itself is the focus as opposed to the people in yeah. the ecosystem. Hmm. Which is, which is so weird how that I feel like has changed now. It it it, it there there's. I, I've been seeing this in like a few places. It's weird how we interact with like Bezos and Zuckerberg <laughs> and Jack, like they're fucking elected officials. True. When yeah. they're not elected, we're just like yeah. appealing they, to them like they're oligarchs. They created the things that we use, therefore we try to treat them as if they are those people in government right. or in a position of where we have to even ask for their permission to do something type of thing right. like that. But it, yeah. But yeah, it was like when when like freaking Trump's Twitter got deleted, like all his social media presence got deleted, everyone was petitioning Jack and Zuckerberg. Right. No one was like, "Hey, my elected official, we right. should do something about this." Which, Which is funny, is because a, if you think about yeah. it, and, and we don't have to get super, super political right now, but, like, mm. uh, the, you know... Dude, I've had, I've had one-tenth of a beer in me. I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, I can... I, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, but that's that's right. how, like, people on, on the right took it. They're, like, appeasing mm. to these corporations. I wonder how mm. it would have looked if someone on the left got censored so much to the point where they you know, incited something, like, it doesn't have to be, sure. like, an actual riot, but let's say they incited some sort of actual violence, and then they had their stuff taken away, would people on the left then be calling their representatives, or would they do the same thing? 
that's the that's what yeah, I want to sure. see because we haven't seen that. Yeah. There's really only been this these few examples of people who have been spreading mis- misinformation, and they've mostly been from a you know the far right of our political system. So. Yeah, I think that that's a fair analysis, and like we can leave this after this if you want. Um, but I know, like, I think I agree with you in terms of this was like one of the first instances of a person in power. Yeah. this happening to. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, like there there have been a lot of examples of like um, like pro Palestine organizers being censored oh, yeah, yeah. off of Facebook and Twitter yeah. because like Israel representatives would like contact Facebook and be like, hey, like we don't like what these people are saying, get them off of here. Right. So like, I feel like that, that censorship and that removal has been steadily building. Oh, sure. Um, but this just sort of captured the moment. Yes. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That train of thought sort of lost its steam there. Yeah. But. Well, we went from Yik Yak to the insurrection, essentially. So that was fun. Dude, I'm down. Yeah. So it, that is, I think, a <laughs> So, if that is to be an indication of um, whatever this podcast is, then I think we're going to be good, which I guess is as good a time as ever to introduce, like, did we come up with a name? I don't think we did. We haven't, so welcome to whatever the fuck this podcast is. There's the name, I mean. (laughs) I don't know how good that will be for the SEO, but you know. Eh. Meh. Yeah, who, 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 who needs an SEO? We can we can totally play around with that. But yes, this oh, yeah. is our it, this is a thing. This is a thing. By the time this goes up, it will be an established brand TM. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal, right? Yeah, I'm sure. That, we'll, that, 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 that's yeah. That's the goal here with our friendship is to turn it into a brand. That's what oh, yeah. Doing. You know, we have to trademark yeah. it. We have to monetize it because obviously yeah. that's what people do now. You know, uh, exclusively that that is. It's not even just like that's what people do now. This is the end result. We we th- th- this is this is pr- this is what progress is. Yeah. <laughs> this is oof. Like on, on yeah, th- this is what the friendship was ultimately heading towards was a fully hyper mm. totally monetized friendship. God's like, the plan. next step is like it's God's plan. The next step is like Casper mattress ads just start materializing <laughs> out of nowhere. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to work on those sponsorships for the next one. Oh, yeah. yeah. All, all the sponsorships that we're getting, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's so many. The freaking my pillow guy will not get off my back. Ugh. Yeah. N- I don't n- know. Not, not about his pillows, about his insurrectionist plan. I mean, that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could go the whole route of we could introduce ourselves. Yeah. And just make it happen. But I think what would be funnier is if we try to introduce each other. Sure. Okay. I, I would be happy to take a stab at that Go if you'd like. Yeah. The voice that you hear talking to me is the venerable Ten Lovinguth. Mm. He is currently is it is it writer technically is your position? Like a, a writer or contributor at Philly Sports Network? Writer, contributor, editor. The I'm the soccer guy, essentially. You're the yeah. soccer guy, yeah. yeah. For the yeah, Sports so, because of his undying love for the Philadelphia Union. Yeah, pretty much. Which which will be a dynamic is you attempting to convince me more and more to get into sport ball. Sport ball is fun. And yeah. that, that was a lot of our dynamic in college was you trying to get me into sport ball. Yeah, that is very true. Um, you just finished your master's and this is, this is like <laughs> a test for me. Master's in business. Is it business administration? It is. Yeah. Okay. And you are on to do something something that's not in business yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) which 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 is the mood um in addition to all of the above tim does uh the best skeletor impression i've ever heard in my life yeah always has always will we will hear it maybe one day maybe definitely not now because that would just make sense no we don't make sense here why would we We make dollars yeah exactly why would we do it now you get to hear no things. Yeah. Ugh, Gotta have... Shudder at the thought. Doing things? Doing the thing that is expected? No. Like, social cues? Ugh. Fuck a social cue. Who needs them? Social cues, human interaction. Like, this is the mm. most human interaction mm-hmm. I've had in a while, so... And it's Honestly, not even real. It's virtual, so... Am I even yeah, here? exactly. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, no, like, nothing we're doing is real. Art is a lie. Nothing is real. We live in a Over simulation. K-12. We live in a simulation. Anything else I missed on you, my good friend? 
Uh, no, I, I think you pretty much covered it. Yeah, it's, uh, a, you know, a lot of my relationship towards, uh, you know, you has been trying to get you into sport ball. I mean, we connected over nerdy shit as well. So, I mean, oh, yeah. like, you know, that's that's definitely part of it, too. But, no, you covered you covered my bases, I would say. Yeah. Wasn't that, like, our first interaction was, like, Cards Against Humanity? And I played that damn Skeletor card. Yes. I So, that was really funny, because I was actually going to ask during this, how did we even meet? And I think it was that way. I, I think it I was. I think it was. So, like, I, I imagine by the time this goes up, like, folks that are listening are going to fall in either... You know me or Tim, like, tangentially, like, outside of the <laughs> Eastern University bubble. Yeah. Or, probably more likely, you're in that Eastern University bubble, Oof. and you know of the fabled stories of Key Guffin, uh, the Key Guffin dorm, where extroverts go to die. I... Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, introverts, that... or introverts become ambiverts. That's, that was what happened yeah. to me. So, I mean, it, it, it yeah. is, it's, it's socially mandated of you, yeah. the human interaction. Yes. And I feel like there's just one of many pickup games of Cards Against Humanity that <laughs> we just met. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like that right. one of the main icebreakers at the very liberal Christian university, Eastern University, which yeah. I always found funny. But oh it's, yeah, it's good. No, no, like we're we're liberal enough to occasionally swear a curse. Yeah, like saying the fuck word, like in a oh, common God. setting with other people around. It was fun to yeah. see who who that made uncomfortable and who were like yeah. ready to just scream it from the rooftops. So that was a fun oh, dude, time. It, that, that was a wonderful litmus test for me. It's like, <laughs> who's gonna be my friend here? Let's see. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's then my turn to introduce dude, no pressure. you. So, the person that I am speaking to is Logan Brock, and when I met Logan, I know he was a very, very, very skinny, very white (laughs) freshman at a Christian university who had very short hair, (laughs) and probably a fedora somewhere. Oh, God, we don't talk about that. Anyways, I know Logan right now is doing his thing helping out some kids and that is your main job right now is is helping those little ones go through virtual learning and you're kind of like their personal touch to reality which is kind of cool and also very frightening at the same time yeah i'm gonna go with mostly frightening on that one is that (laughs) these kids are looking to me for guidance and i'm like dude i've been in a six month long depressive episode doing nothing but playing Skyrim. <laughs> you do not want to look to me. <laughs> uh, but no, I do know, uh, you know, Logan is someone who will care deeply about you uh, and then also tell you to fuck off in the same sentence sometimes. So that's, that is accurate. That is always a fun time. Uh, if you're it's, it's like, I, yeah. I love you so much. You can fuck right out of here. Yeah, please. You know, kindly fuck off. That's one of my favorite things yeah. to say is, you know, you have something kindly. like if you could kindly fuck off, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. the peace of God be with you. Kindly, kindly fuck, fuck off. off. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. It's a good one. But no, I think uh, honestly, you know, the only other way I could introduce Logan is think of someone who started out kind of conservative in college and Christian, mm-hmm. and then think of that person progressing over a. F- five to six year span and now being super like socialist happy and like very very left leading like you know dude on the socialist note i think you'd be very proud of me um i responded to a very old email today oh yeah i want you you to guess how old that email was was the email from 2019 or older yes 2019 okay uh december of 2019 Cool. That was the month uh, that your good friend Logan Brock officially became a member of the Democratic Socialists of America. Oh, nice. And um, <laughs> was promptly uh, reached out to very kindly by like one of their like one of the people that's like in charge of their Slack channel to like you know <laughs> get involved in like the organizing and yeah. stuff. And I saw it, and I was like, man, that'd be su- that'd be super cool. I'd love to get in on that. And then promptly. And without warning, just intense social anxiety spiral Mm. and never plugged back in. Yep. Never reached back out, never clicked the link he sent, nothing. 
Mm. I emailed him yesterday. <laughs> it was like, hey. So these last two years, work. these last two years have been pretty crazy. Yeah, but 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 in just just to say, I think I'm ready. <laughs> I think I'm ready to really hit the ground running. <laughs> um, so this goes out to everybody. If I can respond to an email that is a year and some change old, with a somewhat clean conscience, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's yeah. a real thing, and to stick uh, yep. to that, the the power that we all have to make those types of decisions where we're in our own heads for most of the time, yes. uh, breaking out of that uh, actually shows where the, the power that we have in ourselves and mm. the freeing mm. feeling of actually making a choice for ourselves. So... That is sort of what I've done recently with my yeah. my job situation. Essentially, I was told in my position. I don't want to go too much into it, um, but essentially, I had been I had been told uh, to kind of jump through all of these hoops and to keep jumping through all of these hoops. And um, you know, there were goals set and everything that makes sense. You know, there's always goals in a job, and you have to meet the goals. Um, but when then there are stipulations put on top of every little thing, it's sometimes okay to push back. So me pushing back was essentially saying, no, nah, I'm going to leave because right. that's the thing that's the most healthy for me is to leave. Mm. Uh, and it's most healthy for you guys then too, because then you can find someone who you can try to manipulate the fuck out of. And I'm just not going to be that guy. So yeah. it's a real thing. You have the power to make those mm. decisions to answer those emails, to say kindly fuck off. That's all I'm saying. So here is my question for you to sort of build off of that. Um, You talked a little bit about, like, that's a power that you sort of have internally to, like, combat those mind states. I think in your instance specifically, it's talking about, like, um, generalized anxiety and depression, which I have very much diagnosed. Yes. um, And then still very actively trying to figure out ways of like combating that, be that therapy, be that medication, be that any wide gambit of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for you, if you feel, if you feel comfortable sharing it, sure. was that, was that decision to leave your job that you over time, it just became clear, like one, this is not good for me mentally. And two, the people in power that be are not helping this to be a place that right. will accommodate me and work with me. Is leaving that a decision that you feel like you sort of had to well up and make yourself? Or did that come a bit more from an external force, like communities yeah. and systems around you, or a mix? What did that balance sort of look like? Yeah, it was definitely a mixture. Um, mm. Now, this is really good to, to talk about because it had always kind of been welling up, like you were saying, um, throughout my... I worked there for pr- almost or a little bit over three years, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, there were just, you know, there's certain times where things were expected that were more than what the job descriptions were. And Mm -hmm. you had to kind of go through that. Um, And so going through that a few times a year for for over three years um, definitely added that stress and that welling up of like, no, I, I literally can't handle this. Like it's adding stress, it's adding anxiety, you know, it's adding depressive states as well. Like I've had my own things with that for sure. And it was a lot of it was tied to my job and the stress from my job, which is crazy to think that it, my job was essentially to help people. But the actual organization whose job it is to help people was actually putting someone under stress, anxiety, depressive states, while also trying to help people. Like, and like that's crazy there. But then there was definitely, for me, the decision-making. I needed to talk to other people as well. Other people who had been in the field, you know, people that I was close with, some family members, things like that. Of These are the things that I'm going through. I think I want to make this decision. Like, can you tell me I'm either crazy or can you empathize with my situation and tell me that it's not crazy to do this right now, to to make this decision, to, to show the power that I actually have? And yeah, so 
coming to the realization definitely was part of it, you know, taking time throughout the three years of, okay, like it's almost constant stress when these certain things happen, when there's more expectations put on top of the job description that kind of exceed it. Uh, it's more than a 40 hour a week job, essentially. Right. Uh, and then not having the mind state of how, how do I turn that off when it's time to, um, and then how do I actually make the decision and having people close to me, uh, you know, sort of talk through it with me of like, Oh no, this is crazy. Like, you know, they can't, they can't expect you to do all this kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And hearing, you know, having validation, I think is important in that decision-making process too. So it was sort of a decision that I had thought of, but I wasn't comfortable with it until I heard from colleagues, family members, other friends, things like that. Mm. I appreciate you going into depth on that. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's definitely I, therapy for yeah, me yeah. right now. Like <laughs> to talk oh, about yeah. that, it's still kind of fresh. Um, I'm on my, yeah. you know, into my last week of the job this coming week. Oh, it'll be after this airs for sure, or before this airs for sure, um, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely fresh, so it's good to talk it out. Yeah, man. To hone in on like, the boundary setting aspect of it, Yeah. you sort of talked about like this was something that it fed into, it became more than a 40-hour-a-week job in yeah. certain aspects. Like There were parts of it that... I'm sure as like instead of just like bringing work home with you, you were bringing home like the mental labor. Of, oh like, yeah, processing um, through all of it. Like it became this all-encompassing yeah, to, thing for you, and I feel like that's very common. Yeah, it's very common. And to be honest, that was the the thing that was more so the stressor. I could close my email and know for the weekend, let's say, and not look at it at all. But I still feel the stress of oh, what if I need to do a little bit more to answer these yep. people's questions, to help them in this way, to do this, to do that, whatever it might be. Like that stress, even if you can shut off the actual computer, you know, don't look at your email, you know, don't have it connected to your phone type of stuff. You still kind of feel that in the back of your mind. At least I did. So I know I'm not the only person that, that does that sort of thing for sure. And I feel like that phenomenon is increasingly common or at least it has been a commonality that we're starting to finally be able to name in our generation is that this is sort of happening. Yeah. Which gives me some hope, I think. <laughs> um, That's the, yeah. the beauty of this is that there's so many takeaways from the power that we actually have because that's what it's sort of rooted in. Decision-making process with you, right. like, you know answering that email finally of getting to the state of where, you know, like, oh, this is something that I was definitely interested in. They reached out to me with some more information and I didn't feel comfortable doing that. And then you had the right. journey of going through it for, you know, a year and a half almost, or maybe two years, all, you know, close to that. And then being ready to respond. Like, right. we all have those sort of things, that journey that we go through in different areas of life. Yeah. So, Yeah, man. And I think that to that point, too, like, it felt like, I think, to type back to sort of, like, our college journey. Yes. It felt like, I think, that that phenomenon of, like, being inundated with all of those choices and decisions to make. Right. Um, I feel like this, it's like that for so many people, and, like, when they go through the whole college experience of, like, it's just a pressure cooker of you're making those decisions, um, and then you're sort of just spit out into the world and told... Okay, you've got it all now. Right. Go uh go do it. Which is not how it works. Right. In any way, shape, or form. And I'm I something where I've been at in my year ish, year and some change of like trying to discern all this is like when the fuck did we get convinced that that was how it was supposed to work as a society, as like a generation, as a whatever, that you go through this time that is college or that is academia and then you're good like you you can stagnate you can coast you can get into a career mm -hmm. a job and just sort of ride the corporate ladder like how did that happen because <laughs> like I, I think we're starting to see like the canaries in the coal mine <laughs> a little bit yeah. of like hey like this is kind of some bullshit that we've been fed. Like, this doesn't really work. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't work for everybody. And 
honestly, I mean, it, you, you kind of said it, our generation has been one to kind of push back at a lot of the, the societal norms that are in our society. Uh, and that's one of the major ones that I've seen, at least from a lot of different people. I mean, there's even people, you know, our age or right around us that you know, they go through college, they know what they want to do, and then they do it. And they do it at a, they might not stay at one place forever. They might have different jobs in the field, but they, you know, they had figured out what they want to do and they do it. Um, but we're in a generation now where it's very much more um, visible the people that are like, I went through this, uh, I went and did it maybe for a little bit and figured out, no, it's not actually for me. So I'm going to go this other way. And it's, it's much more open than things were, you know, for our parents' generation. And then even way before that, it was, you know, you, you go into your field that you studied and even way before that, uh, you know, you got your high school diploma and then you went in, to whatever job and you stayed in that job like my grandfather he worked in sales but he was he their their town had a wire mill they created copper wire so he went to high school got a job at the wire mill and worked there for his entire professional career now he moved around out of the town into different plants and blah 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 but he went from being a high school kid to going into a copper wire plant and staying there his entire career, selling it to then going into the corporate side of things to being an executive and blah, 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 all that bullshit that we don't like, the two of us. <laughs> like, uh, it's, huh. like, it's just, it's very different. You know, there's, you know, figuring out what one wants to do doesn't always happen right away, or they don't stay in it even if they're unhappy. And that's been more right. visible. It's it's interesting that in that you highlight sort of the like the visibility aspect of it. Yeah. Like, do you, when you when you use that term, is it more of a like a social media orientedness? Like these stories can sort of like be elevated a little bit more. Um, like, yeah, the system didn't really work for me, or I ran into these road bumps with the system, and I can hmm. highlight them in this specific way. Or do you think that it's more of a these discussions and narratives are happening more frequently? Or they're being elevated and then like allowed more to like be critiqued and brought up in social circles. Yeah, I think it's kind of a combination of all of that. But I think our generation is one to when you know when there's a problem or something that needs to sort of be said, we're we're more vocal. Uh, whether it's on social media in a discussion, uh, just being able to kind of push back on the cultural norms is sort of what I'm mean mean by visible like. Okay. You know, That's our past generations might not push back because it was against against the norm, and that wasn't okay to go against the norm in any aspect. Or you would be seen as other and not not good. Um, and now, to an extent, that still kind of happens for our generation. But it's been put out there that it's okay, like to talk about that, to put it out there, to be visible that way. monetizing like our skills i think i think that's some bullshit (laughs) it's most definitely some bullshit but i definitely understand why people want to do it right so Mm. you're good at something you might as well make a little bit of money to help you know that pursuit of happiness that comfortability which we all crave even if we say we don't we all want to be Mm. comfortable so monetizing a skill is essentially doing something that you love but also getting paid for it. Do you feel like, like, I, I, this is sort of like what I'm sort of like trying to drill down on is like, I think that it's like we, we've been sold this narrative that like that is doable and that's something that happens and like mm. that's like the, like the standard to be achieved. I think what I'm trying to get at is like, does that happen? Like, does that really happen for anybody? Does anyone really get mm. there where they're like, yes, I have successfully monetized all of my skills, like all of the things I'm passionate about I am a part-time, like, plant caretaker, a part-time <laughs> Let's Player, and a part-time, like, dog trainer. I, I don't know, I'm just tossing those things out right. there. Like, that, like, it's like that's, that's the shit that's been keeping me going during quarantine. Should I just, like, monetize those three things? Right. 
I'm, does does like, does that stuff not in some way then just become the work? You know what I mean? I mean, it definitely can, and that's the thing is if you you know in that mind state of monetizing a skill it, deep down, if it's something that you love, that then does become work. Like it can you know fuck with that a little bit. It can mess up that dynamic, but then remembering you know deep down that oh this is something that I love to do whatever it is, and that I think people can do it, but it really has to be um, you know pretty specific. So it's it's usually just one aspect or one skill that they have that can be monetized. Like oh like even for me a little bit you know I, I like you introduced me, you know, I do sports writing. I write about a soccer team. Um, I've written for the soccer team since college. I mainly did it at first because I just wanted the experience and I enjoyed watching the games and analyzing the team that I enjoyed watching. And it just kind of went into like, okay, I can use it for some experience. I'm not getting paid. I wasn't getting paid at all. Like, it was just like, oh, come in. Like, you know, we just, we created a website. People are enjoying it the website took off over the last few years to the point where now I get monthly checks essentially uh, for, for doing the same thing that I didn't get paid for. So that's monetizing a skill. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like, Oh, I, I now make a whole lot of money, but it's, you know, it's doing something that you really enjoy working towards feeling comfortable with who you are and where you are. Yeah, no, I feel that for sure. So I think, firstly, um, let me see if I phrase this right. In those, so you talked about sort of like getting into the Philly sports wing or like that arena. Yeah. Um, and how that was something that you had that interest in it. What was the process like of like you going into it? Was it with that mindset of like, this is something I want to monetize entirely eventually? Or was it more of a, in the moment, this is what I want to do? Yeah. And whatever happens, happens. Like, did, did you have sort of that eye to the future when you got into it? I mean, it was always something that I was interested in, and I wasn't sure if it was going to be something that was, like, a job, per se, or, like, you know, mm-hmm. something that I would do full-time. Um, sure. I was hoping I might be able to make a little bit of money, like, at some point, you know, to, to do something that I really enjoyed and also make a little bit of money. That's nice. Um, but really, the reason I looked into the, that sort of option in the first place was because of schooling in general, of looking for things that were maybe similar areas of something that could be considered like an internship or a job that would help me for my future. So it was definitely future thinking, you know, thinking about that future. But I wasn't necessarily thinking of okay, I'm going to get this job in, I got it in 2016 in the spring. Um, so, okay, yeah, I'm going to get this job in 2016. And by 2021, I'm going to get a monthly check from them for doing this thing. Like that didn't cross my mind. I didn't know if I would even do too much with, with it, but it was, mm. it's, yeah. So it's, it's definitely like, there's all sorts of things with it. It was more so me wanting to do something that I wanted to do. Right. And I think that 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 differentiation is, I think, sort of where my thinking is at right now. Right. Because it's one thing, I think, to approach it in the way that may have sort of like been handed to us of identify the things you're interested in or the skills that you have and then monetize them. Mm. Like, it's like, I think that is sort of the model that is like do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Like that yeah. whole mantra, um, like to just like keep us working. I think that that phenomenon like boils it down so simply in a way that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, just like identify the thing and make it happen. It's that simple. Right. Yeah. I mean, which I don't think it is. Yeah. It's definitely not that simple, but it's really easy to take it, you know, to that, cynical place if you kind of see how the world is structured and I think that's something as we've both sort of grown through our schooling and then through life experiences seeing okay like the world's a pretty fucked up place so we could easily see that mantra of you know do what you love you'll never work a day in your life as you know being manipulative and blah 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 and like it just keeps you working and you know people kind of get um 
blind to that. Um, but I think if you kind of look at it in an optimistic viewpoint of, you know, you're doing something that you love, so it's not necessarily about making the actual money, but if you can get better at what you do, then you will eventually make maybe make something of that. Uh, it depends, again, where you are, though. Like, right. if you're someone who's just like, okay, I'm, I want to write a story. I want to write a book or whatever it might be. I have this whole thought process in my head. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to just continue to do stuff with that. And mm. eventually you get it to a point where it's a completed thing and you maybe want to go and try to see if it can get published or something like that. At that point, you most likely have gone through years of writing about a character. There are different characters, how they interact, these sort of things that would be, you know, building up that creative writing skills that some people have, sort of things along those lines. And then maybe it gets picked up by a publisher, maybe it doesn't. And that whole journey, too, of working through it and not getting defeated by it, being like, you know, looking at it as an opportunity to continue to do it. I don't know. Mm. That's where my mind always goes. I'm like always super optimistic with stuff that I might maybe shouldn't be optimistic with. Mm. Uh, but that's how my mind sort of works is there's always a way to, to do it and to do it better with what you're doing. I, I appreciate that outlook that you do have. Because like, even though like we joke about like, we as friends are so cynical like Mm -hmm. kindly fuck off you very much are the more optimistic one (laughs) of the two of us (laughs) like like exponentially more so i mean try writing about a for all intents and purposes irrelevant team in a sports city that only cares about four other sports of people who are only (laughs) pessimists that 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 is that is an interesting point (laughs) <laughs> Can, dude, dude t- talk, talk, talk more about that because, like, for folks that aren't like that, don't know about the Phillies, like, yeah, uh, I mean, Union, I mean, you know, that's actually an interesting point. I mean, so Philadelphia in general is always seen as a, a city of assholes, um, yep. <laughs> city of assholes, <laughs> uh, people who are blue collar, you know, people who love their traditional four sports of football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. Uh, right. Sometimes to a lesser extent, hockey, but the, it's definitely in there. Um, Got the Flyers, man. Yeah, we have gritty now. I mean, gritty, gritty is amazing. Um, yeah, <laughs> and the, the Flyers are a good team. Uh, but anyways, uh, when when you add a sport, a professional sport, other than those four, usually they just kind of get thrown off as like another thing. You can go watch them, but they're kind of like a side attraction. Like there's, you know, there used to be an arena football team that was good. Uh, and but it was indoor and it was gimmicky and it was you know BS and there's you know a national lacrosse league which again is newer and new agey so like you get the people the little lax bros that love lacrosse um, mm-hmm. but you don't get the hardcore fans soccer is very different it's seen as other uh, and for Philadelphia uh, the team doesn't even play in the city they play in Chester. Uh, which is about mm. 10 to 15 miles out of the city. Uh, yeah. And so it's already written off as less than by a lot of people. And, and even to an extent, the Union fans themselves, they're Philly fans at, at their core. So whenever something doesn't right. go right, you you know that you're going to hear about it and people are going to say bullshit and all that. Um, but yeah, being someone who covers a team that is for the most part irrelevant in its own market is an interesting spot to be and you have to really enjoy the sport or enjoy what you're doing and the people that you cover things like that um but yeah i mean my yeah you 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 grew up in it sort of i mean i played soccer uh the team was created when i was in high school the union and right. uh, for the first few years, like I knew of them, but I wasn't I wasn't going to all the games. I wasn't doing too much. It wasn't until um, I really stopped playing soccer where I wanted to like analyze it more because I missed playing it. So uh, that you know, when you have a hometown team, then which is essentially for me in my backyard because I live out near Chester, Delaware County, like a town over, like a five minute drive from the stadium. It's something that's a lot more accessible and a sport that I love. So then getting involved in it that way, drawing up the interest of the team to then an interest of 
analyzing it and writing about it, you know, bringing all those skills together. Uh, sort of how I got involved that way on that side of things with it. But yeah, you have to have that optimistic outlook for the most part if you're going to continue to do it day in and day out. Like there's plenty of other writers for other outlets that I know that are now covering other teams or just are not covering the union for their outlets anymore because they they did it for the first 10 years. The team was shit. They didn't win anything. They were awful. They made the playoffs like two times, lost both games, uh, and they were done. They were burnt out, and they were like, no, nah, fuck this. I'm going to go cover a different team that has its own bullshit, and more people will, will read my stuff. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because you were sort of saying that, too. Like, when you were brought on, like, and it was in that time where you weren't being paid for your work, it was like you were just the soccer guy. Yeah, I was it. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's an interesting sort of parallel to me of, like, if you're just sort of, like, in that. And and I I sort of, like, I think picked up on that when I was, like, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I remember very specifically, like, when, like, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Like, the fact that that had never happened before. Like, even that, like, me having, like, been, like, a, you know, like, what's the term, eh? A bandwagoner. Like, a bandwagoner fan for... Like for the Eagles for that entire time, like I felt that optimism a little bit, and that was for a team that was like you know like they hadn't like won it at all. They haven't. They hadn't uh, ever done anything. They they got into the Super Bowl twice before and they lost it. And those teams were considered special. And then for the Eagles team to go in there and beat not only just a team for a trophy, but beating Tom Brady at the height of his yeah. career, essentially. I mean, I know Tom Brady's going back to the Super Bowl again, and maybe by the time this airs, he might have won another Super Bowl with, with a different team. Oh, yeah, but, but, like, yeah, like, the when, when the Eagles do well, and to an extent the Phillies uh, as well, mm. like, the city is just happy. Like, people are right. just a little bit nicer. I mean, they're still assholes. Everyone's an asshole here, and that's fine. Right. That's the, the mantra of the city, so... Right. But yeah, but, like, even for like those bigger teams, like hanging out for those wins, like oh, has yeah. to curate some vague like internal. We got to pull through this, like we have to, right? Yeah, and e- even more so when your sport is continually dunked on. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's going to continually get dunked on in this market. I mean, there's going to be more eyes drawn to it for the union specifically. They won their first trophy last season in 2020 in the COVID season. Uh, They won, they had the best regular season record, which gets a trophy in the league. So they were the number one team throughout the whole year and they won a trophy, but then they went into the playoffs because everyone still goes into playoffs and that's considered more of the thing and they lost their first game as the number one overall to a team that wouldn't have necessarily made it like a year before because they added more teams to the playoffs. And so then people just had another license to just shit on the team. So it's like, oh, they're not actually any good. They, 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 you know, they won one playoff game in their existence. They're not good type of thing. But yeah, you have to have Dude, the optimism I, to, to yeah, cover the team to and to even be a fan of the team. I know a lot of fans yeah. that like jumped off the team like back in... 2017 2018 they're like nah fuck this i've been here for 10 years they haven't done anything i'm not gonna watch them anymore and then they got good after that which was kind of funny to see people kind of come back a little bit but you know (laughs) uh, it's definitely interesting so so if i may summarize i think what i hear you saying is in order to keep me from becoming a self-serving cynical asshole yeah i just need to watch more philadelphia union games uh i don't know I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's exactly what you were saying. Okay. Well, that's fine yeah. then. <laughs> I'm not, not putting any words in your mouth, except for no. the time when I edit in those words in your mouth. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. yeah. Who would ever do that? No one. Yeah, who would, who would do that with what technology and podcast editing software? I don't know. So, so if I may summarize, I think what I hear you saying is, in order to keep me from becoming... A self-serving, cynical asshole. Yeah, I just need to watch more Philadelphia Union games. Yeah. Exactly. Good. So cool, Logan. I I just heard outside the door, um, Duck, my wonderful dog. The, the sound of him just pounce on his squeakiest toy. <laughs> it just reverberated around. 
I think we have to set an over-under of duck appearances per podcast or references. It's going to happen. So, like, I, I've definitely... I've thought about this a lot. Most of my friendships since we got him have become like, Hey, what's new? Oh, not much. Here's 50 cute pictures of Duck, and he did this dumb thing yesterday. Because I have nothing else going on. Yeah. We, we talked about my job um, earlier on. Uh, <laughs> yes, I heard it. There it is. Can you hear that? Oh, I heard it. The squeak. <laughs> yes. Oh, it, it's, it, it's like a little giraffe-type situation. It's, it's super cute. And he just, like, puts his whole weight on it and paws at it. <laughs> um, no, so we talked about... Um, for my work currently, I work with... Is it five kids? More? Oh, gosh. So it's one, two, three, four. Yeah, it's five kiddos, um, which is five, five more than I ever want. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's basically, it's me showing up, um, helping them get logged in every day to their online schooling, and then standing there and making sure they don't go on YouTube and no technology breaks. Yep. It is as maddening as it sounds, but these kids are hilarious, so it balances out. Right. <laughs> so it, it was like, um, I, I sat down with like the one of the parents I work for, and they were talking about like, hey, like there's one more kid like we might want you to look after. This is what that would look like. And we were like hashing out that whole situation. Yeah. Um, and she sort of asked me like, hey, so like, when the school year's done, like, what do you want to do? And I just had to like stare at her and be like, I. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> I have no idea. Because, like, for me, I, I, the, the reason I was, for this, um, that entire bit we did, sort of, like, in the middle, that whole big chunk, they were talking about the job stuff, um, where I'm at, sort of, in my journey, in terms of figuring that stuff out, is I graduated Eastern with an undergrad in social work. Right. And as I was finishing out my social work degree realized that doing clinical social work burns me out. Mm -hmm. um, I had a particular internship that was just so draining that it got to a point where I was like, I can't do the one-on-one -on -one casework anymore. Like, that's not for my brain. Right. Like, God, God love the people that can do it. I'm not that guy. I need to... We talk about, like, those boundaries. Mm -hmm. like, I need that I need that distance a little bit more uh, just to keep myself sane. Yeah. Um, but I still had that drive to... Do like sort of like the more justice oriented stuff. So I went to, and I'll leave it nameless. Um, I went, I moved to DC and started working for a nonprofit. With it was a, it was like an internship at that nonprofit where my thought process going into it was this will be what sets me up, right? Mm -hmm. I, I sort of like bought into that narrative of like, okay, I'm going to get into this ground level job. And just sort of work my way up. I'm just going to sort of like corporate ladder it and like leverage relationships, talk to mentors, all those fun buzzwords that you see in all the fancy self-help books. Yep. And even as it hit me throughout the year that it was not working and it was not what I wanted and it wasn't all it was cracked up to be, I was still making it. I was like still in my brain like trying to make it happen. Oh, yeah. No, it's a even thing. at the end, even at the end of my internship year, when things were starting to really come apart at the seams, with like, I can't work at this place anymore. I was still trying to convince myself, yeah, I think I'd work here after the year is done. Right. Like, like there was still that subconscious part of me that was like, yeah, no, I could do this, even though I know, like, I, I, I couldn't. It would have killed me. Right. Um, but <clears throat> after that year ended. I did the bookstore, coffee shop, retail work, m gambit, that whole <laughs> market, right up until COVID hit. Yeah. And then and then COVID hit, and then I wasn't doing that anymore. Right. So I, I'm in a phase now of, like, when 2020 hit before we knew it would be the year of COVID, I sort of told myself, like, I want this year to be a year of intensive intentional learning that was sort of like the goal i set for myself in 2020 was like i want this to be the year of really learning and listening to myself yeah that was like a huge area for me it's like you sort of talked about that with your uh, <clears throat> career of like yeah this needs to be a thing where i listen to myself a lot more 
and do right by me. Um, I told myself, like, I, I, I know me. Like, I need to listen to me. Um, and I think that happened, but for all of the growth I've sort of felt in myself over this year, in spite of COVID, that growth has not landed me career prospects. Right. And the systems that be <laughs> tell me that without those career prospects, all of that internal work is a whole bunch of hooey. And that is what I'm trying to balance is, cool, I've sorted out my brain. Maybe. I don't know. Probably still not. I still need therapy. I'm a big proponent of that. I am actively going through therapy online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting. It's very different. I I did used to go to different counseling as a child uh, for different things. Um, mm-hmm. But... For this, you know, it's been more so for those anxiety and depression, um, things that I was feeling. Um, And it took me like three months since I was diagnosed with clinical depression to actually find someone to talk to about that. I wanted to talk about and process through the things that I was either feeling or not allowing myself to feel, those sort of things. Um, But yeah, that process of finding a person that then can schedule you for their time is yeah. the game, which is awful. Yeah. It's, yep. it's terrible. Yeah. Man. Man, man, man. It's, uh, it's a thing. I could go down a whole thing of things that I've, like, talked to about people with, with like, you know, different cognitive distortions and how we mm. set certain things up in, in our minds and then we feed into that and then that causes mm. a habit. And unless mm. we break it, then we do feel like shit because we've mm. established this bad habit mm. and we don't want to break mm. it because it feels comfortable, but it's act because the brain doesn't differentiate what we consider good or bad feelings. It's just feeling. So right. uh, mm. it's all fascinating for sure. slate here yeah join us for the next however many episodes we do of this maybe three as we go down all of those aforementioned rabbit holes we didn't even talk about religion in this one those are going to be really fun conversations impressed with us we like for all of like the religious undertones of our like not even undertones like that was our we went to a christian college like that whole stuff (laughs) <laughs> that, that'll that be a whole other thing. It's just talking about Christian universities. Christian universities or just even Christian ideals and just yeah. how to how to couple like the actual Christianness, like actually yeah. being a follower of Christ, but not in the way that our society portrays it. Yep. We just actually had yep. for all of beep bullshit. And I know I, I'm still recording, but we'll probably not add this in there because I just said beep out loud as my place of work, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm going to try not to do uh, on that. For all of beep. <laughs> um, I'll add we, in that beep. We had uh, a three-hour training on white supremacy and how Christianity has kind of built into that and where Good. we as beep sort of stand with that and how we can wrestle with it. And it was very intriguing and kind of talked about a lot of the things of how Christianity is embedded in that in in white supremacy and in a lot of things that make this country as shitty as it is and and things in the world as well but mostly we focused on America because you know and yeah it's uh yeah trying to figure out how to be a follower of Christ but not associated or not feel like you're associated with these people who have used that as a means to just put down on other people for lack of better words is, yeah, is a wrestling point for sure. I am at a point where I don't outright call myself Christian anymore. Mm -hmm. People ask, like I say, I'm not, especially like evangelical. Like I don't associate with evangelical, like in any way, shape or form, like at, um, at beep, Mm -hmm. um, there was so much emphasis on we need to like reclaim 
evangelicalism yeah. or like save evangelicalism. Like I'm like no, honestly, you can let it burn. Like that's fine. Yeah, the 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 main point of it was, has yeah. been so perverted that it is yes. now different. And if you want to be a follower of Christ, you need to yeah. totally disassociate what that group of people is saying yep. from what Jesus is saying in the Bible. They're not and, and the like, same, even yeah. if people and say the thing that is too, like, Yeah, and like Christianity as we know it and white supremacy movements have not just like one has not just like infiltrated the other like they've been lockstep oh yeah since rome for <laughs> for, for centuries since exactly. rome adopted christianity it, then yeah. christianity became the religion of conquest and yep and i mean there's just so much yeah. to unpack there and oh yeah we'll make it happen that'll be one we have to cite our sources for <laughs> yeah all right well that was good stuff man this is th- this is the end of the podcast yeah Thanks for listening to whatever this show is. <laughs> Whenever I put this in. Uh. Whenever I put this in, this is the end. <laughs> this is the end. Peace be with you. Peace be with Kindly you. Kindly fuck off. Kindly, with all that is holy, fuck off. Hey, thanks for listening to What's the Hubbub. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more of our wonderful voices, you should totally subscribe to this podcast wherever you may be listening to it. We also would love to hear any thoughts that you had on our discussion, and you can do that by tweeting at us using the hashtag What'sTheHubbub. My handle is at ShrubBadger, and Tim is at Tim underscore Lovenguth. That's L-O-V-E-N-G-U-T-H. Our next episode will be out in two weeks, around February 26th. We hope to see you then. Be well, everybody.